into the contest. It's Thursday, the 2nd of June. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host, Shane Lee. Shane Owen, I saw one of your old teammates on the... Uh, the very listenable, really enjoying it, uh, Building Resilience podcast, uh, Greg Moe Matthews. Yeah, the king of everything we called Moe. Mm. And, um, and Noel Olnut, the uh, the host of uh, the Building Resilience podcast, does a fantastic job, asks some really, really good questions. Uh, Greg had an interesting career, some tough times and some really good times. He was sort of in the changing of the guard in the, you know, the, the sort of late 80s when Australia was struggling a bit. Um, and came good. So it's a really good listen, that one. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to uh, listening to Greg Matthews in the Building Resilience podcast. Well, we've got a huge amount of sport today. Rafael Nadal, John McEnroe's not happy. Buddy Franklin finds his verdict as well. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Rafael Nadal fights back the tears after beating Novak Djokovic in what was an absolute epic French Open final. It seemed like it took forever, Shane. Yeah, it did. It went into the wee hours of the morning. I um, I dropped the kids to school yesterday and, and came back to watch watch the last set in particular. Um, it went four sets, but uh, Nadal uh, won in four, uh, winning the last one seven six. But he was down in the four set. Djokovic was up four one, and he had a break. Mm. And Nadal somehow turned it around. He just wasn't missing shots and. Uh, he does take his time between points, Rafa, but um, a big win. And I think, personally, I think even though that was a quarterfinal, I think that was a final. I think Nadal will go on and he'll be unstoppable now. Anyone that watched tennis through the 70s and 80s would have worked out that John McEnroe can get the shits on occasions. Um, <laughs> you can't be serious. But he's really not happy about Rafael Nadal's um, time violations because, look, he's obviously got all those um, obsessive little things that he does from time to time, wipes his brow, and it's all systematic the way he walks. But um, it was just doing John's heading. Yeah, well, um, he does have a lot of superstitions, as you said, Tim, and he's uh, they're getting worse, and it's taking him a long time. There was one one service game there where it took twelve minutes, um, which is way too long. And you know, you saw the crowd rugged up in in um, it's summer in France, but they're all there with blankets around them because it was about two o'clock in the morning when the game finally finished. And uh, yeah, and McEnroe said if they're not going to have not going to use the shot clock, then. Um, to, for him to serve, then didn't get rid of it altogether because he's just disobeying it and he's not being penalised mm. and it's very, very frustrating, not only for his opponents, but also for, for the crowd who have to stay, stay around to the wee hours of the morning. One thing he does do is talk sense sometimes, John McEnroe. Yeah, I, I do does. remember the story about him at Wimbledon and there's a whole stack of people hovering around him for autographs and photos and everything else and he just stopped the whole thing. He said, okay, everyone under 15 and under stay here, everyone over that, Go and get a life. Like it's just, he, just, <laughs> he just tells it like it is. He really does. All right, now Andrew Andrew McDonald's got COVID, Shana. 
Well, this is his first big uh, tour as um, the newly appointed captain, and he's going to miss the first game. Um, and he's, it's obviously very frustrating, and we all, we all can sort of relate to this now with COVID, but he's asymptomatic as well. Mm. Um, but look, he'll, he'll be there for the second T20 match on June 8, but he'll miss the one on June 7. So, um, yeah, frustrating not to be there at the helm uh, after being given finally given the job. Um, he misses the first match, but uh, so be it. That is the world that we live in. Yeah, they're not happy in England around uh, this test match at Lords. Uh, the crowd numbers no. look weak because of obviously the um, the, the anniversary for the, for the Queen being on the throne and all the celebrations that are going to happen. Of course, you're going as Princess Anne to your party. Um, <laughs> but the prices, look, I had a squeeze at the How are you going to get families in in the world we're living in? Um, when the cheapest price um, posted is just under two hundred bucks Australian, yeah, yeah, two hundred to two hundred eighty bucks. It's ridiculous, right? And and the, just the Poms are getting it so wrong on so many levels. Not just the playing group and and the captain and that sort of stuff. What's going on? But to have twenty thousand tickets not sold for the first Test match at Lords at the home of cricket, and they're blaming the Queen's Jubilee. That's a joke, right? And and it purely comes down to price. Um, Michael Vaughan said, you know, if they, they should be handing out tickets now for 40 bucks for all the kids. They're on school holidays. They should fill it out. Otherwise, imagine playing England's won one test in 17. You've got a new captain, a new coach, and no one's going to be there to, to watch. It's embarrassing. It's going to be hard to keep them interested if, you, if you're yeah. making it prohibitive to get in the door. Um, that, is, that is very damn expensive. Stupid. It's ridiculous. Yep. All right, golf. Talk about money. Well, what about this? Oof. This tournament um, in England, this Greg Norman uh, Rebel tournament, the first of these types is worth about 35 million US. So it's double any of the majors. And it's really surprised, surprised a few people that Dustin Johnson, uh, of course, uh, he's married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter and um, he's already made a lot of money and won majors and been number one in the world. And he and his management team said, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going across to the Rebel. Well, who's first there? Oh, I had to make a decision for my family. You know? <laughs> well, mate, 35 million pool and uh, 5.5 for the winner. Huge money. As you said, double what the PGA is offering. Mate, we said this a while ago, Tim. Money, money talks, and they will get some players, and they have. Uh, as you mentioned, Dustin Johnson, um, former world number one, Louis Osthausen, uh, you've got Charles Swartzel, uh, Sergio Garcia, Graham McDowell, um, Kamer, just to name a few, are the first guys to mm. publicly come out and say they're supporting this rebel thing. They'll get more and more players now that these guys have actually publicly said they're supporting it. Everyone's got their price, don't they? They do, mate, unfortunately. Everyone has their price. All right, stay with us on Afternoon Sport. We've got NRL Boxing and much, much more. Afternoon Sport. All right, this is good news coming out of the AFL uh, in and around Peter Matera. Of course, he was a player that was so dominant in the era that you and I were growing up yes. in the West Coast, and he had that heart attack. He's out of ICU, Shana. Great news. Uh, out of ICU. He has two stents put in, so hopefully he can go on and live a, a long life. But, uh, yeah, it's happening too frequently at the moment. And, um, look, fingers crossed. I said only a week ago when it happened, uh, for me, he was a guy that really uh, made me fall in love with the game of AFL and uh, – I pray for him and for his family that uh, he's now okay and uh, can monitor that and have a long life. Yeah, a lot better news out of ICU. Yep. Now, this is an interesting game. Sydney Swans taking on the Melbourne Demons, and uh, they showed their fallible on the weekend with that loss. Melbourne, and uh, news this morning that Buddy Franklin uh, has held, had that one-match ban upheld, so he'll be missing. Um, but Melbourne, they're not as, um, well, 
uh, well, they're not as unbelievable as they were last week. No, uh, but they look. Petrarca um, had his worst game. He's he was crook. He had a bit of a flu. Mm. Um, he's back to full fitness. He'll make a big difference. Look, this is their first loss since July two thousand twenty-one, and uh, it happens to every team. And it's it's a good time of the year for it to happen to Melbourne because they can then reassess. They're bringing in probably up to six new players. Um, Adam Tomlinson will come in for the injured Stephen May, the since uh, fantastic full uh, fullback. Defensive guy, but yeah, no buddy. It's going to be a really, really tough um, game for the Swans. They're going to have to really aim up here, but I guarantee the red legs, Melbourne are going to come out firing. Uh, rugby league and iconic commentator Ray Rabbits Warren. He hasn't called a game this year, but uh, 79 next birthday, decided to uh, hang up the microphone. Uh, he's got nothing to prove. Um, personally, I, mm. I loved working with rabbits, you know, like whether it be on the rugby league or uh, Olympic Games or Commonwealth Games. He was such a personality, such a good guy to have a glass of wine with as well, the great rabbit Warren. And, uh, yeah, I, I, my favourite commentator of all time. Yeah, look, and I think so. And he's probably the equivalent of Richie Benno in, in the world of rugby league. And um, as you said, mate, some some of the most famous calls, you know, Daly Stewart, Walters, Meninga, Mullins. <laughs> Mullins into a hole. Mate, he was great to listen to. And uh, what a fantastic career. 55 years. Well done, Ray Warren. That's not a try. That's a miracle. That's um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, rugby union in Israel, Falao, your mate, he's going to be back playing mm. international rugby union with Tonga in July. Yeah, well, a 73 Wallaby game veteran uh, and famously dropped for his homophobic tweets, uh, gets another shot at international rugby with um, Tonga. Mm. Uh, he'll come back and play this year. And, uh, yeah, it's, it just goes to show you, Tim, people forget pretty quickly. I haven't forgotten what he said. And uh, disappointing that he's never really apologised for that. And But he gets another shot, mate. That's the world that we also live in, Tim. Yeah, well, you've got to get a second yep. chance. So um, Israel yep. Folau uh, to play for play for Tonga, and um, uh, it really does split the uh, the sporting world when you get discussions in and around him. Now, boxing, uh, I think it's pretty hard to dispute that Tim Zhu's our best at the moment, and his world title fight with the undisputed champion, Jamel Charlo, has been finally confirmed. Finally confirmed. It'll happen probably October, November this year, later this year. Uh, they're looking at either Australia or the US. They would prefer either LA or, you know, probably the pinnacle would be to have this fight in Vegas. And uh, it'll be a big one. It'll be a huge fight too. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to This will see where Tim Zhu actually sits, if he is our best and has potential to, oh, I suppose, become a, a great boxer um, and live up to not only his, his own expectations, but his, his old man's as well. Sometimes we see a parents get a little overzealous on the sideline of football matches or cricket matches and the odd mm. netball match and they probably get a little bit too much involved in their kids' sport. Um, it can be at every level as well, Shane. Of course, Max Verstappen's dad has slammed Red Bull for uh, favouring Sergio Perez, his teammate, in the Monaco Grand Prix. <laughs> Never really works, does it? <laughs> you could tell your dad to shut up. Um, look, uh his, his teammate, uh, Perez, won the Grand Prix. Um, so I don't know what he's really talking about. They're favouring him. But uh, Max finished third. Obviously a very, very competitive family and uh, has have high expectations. But uh, yeah, you don't want your dad saying stuff in the media. It just does nothing for your career and does nothing for your, your camaraderie too with your teammate. I, I know what my kids are like. What are your kids like? Yeah. Please, dad, 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 <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Zip it, that, that's, zip it, that's, even, that's even on the small stuff. 
Oh, Max is old man. Now, what about Conor McGregor's yep. boat? It's 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 a little bit better than the SS Minnow. Yeah, it's a five million dollar sort of little mini super yacht, and uh, he's cruising around with his shirt off, with his tattoos on, <laughs> lying on the front with his daughter. It's uh, he's living the life, that's for sure. Oh, Lamborghini! Like it's like yeah. four point five million worth. It's. Uh, you look at that and you think, how can a boat be worth that much money? But I suppose when you've got as much as Conor McGregor, you can do whatever you want. Now, Andrew Gaze, he's he's always pretty transparent, upfront and honest and tells the truth. Um, you know, he's blasted Liz Cambage's response to that whole drama pre the Olympic Games. And he's really unhappy primarily with the way that she has spoken about the Opals in the Australian women's basketball setup. Well, he's very, very proud of, of the, the Australian setup and he's put his heart and soul and his whole career into it and, and he sees that as a very, very valuable thing moving forward and she's just sort of uh, having a go at it and saying that she wasn't supported. He's basically saying, how could everyone else in that whole setup be colluding and, and telling lies and you're the only one telling the truth? And he just said he doesn't believe her story. And I, and I don't believe her story either. And uh, Andrew Gaze, as you said, very rarely comes out and says anything negative. And when he does, when people do that, then you do listen. And uh, I'm on his side here. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a circus, the whole story, yep. isn't it? Absolute it is. circus. All right, uh, to finish off with, we know that Greg Matthews is on the Building Resilience podcast, and that is a must listen. Um a circus is probably a bit harsh, but uh, he's, certainly, <laughs> he's certainly an extravagant man and was an extravagant cricketer. Well, we used to call him the king of everything, and he was the first sort of rock star cricketer, you know, probably mm. the first one prior to Shane Warne. And uh, he would take he, – he would sort of dress like a rock star. He dressed sort of in between a Jim Morrison and a, and a Michael Hutchins. And uh, the boys went on a, a test tour to India, and he's in Madras. It's probably about 45 degrees in the morning prior to the warm-up. cold day. Cold, yeah, cold day over there. But he came out not in his team uniform to go to the ground. He came out with jeans and a leather jacket on. To which Alan Border said, mate, what are you doing wearing that to the ground? Where's your training gear? And why have you got a leather jacket on? It's nearly 50 degrees. And he said, AB, it's the price you pay to look cool, man. <laughs> the king the of everything. At 46 degrees. That's it for Afternoon Sports today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. Yeah, then thanks to our fantastic sponsors, O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Oh, good people, as is Dan McHugh, our wonderful producer. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.